Pictures up, last looks. episode 254 of the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm writer Luke Elliott. And I'm filmmaker James Bailey. And this week, we take a look back at all the things we covered in 2022. Here we are, end of the year, looking forward to 2023. But before we can do that, we got to look back at this year and, and talk about all the things we covered and figure out how we feel about them in context, uh, which is something I always love about these episodes, is that I finally get to pause for a minute because we're, we're always on to the next thing when we're doing mm-hmm. this, right? This gives us a chance to actually look back and think, like, what have we done? And, and like, where does this all stack up against each other? And what were our favorites? What was the most surprising? Um, so, yeah, I always love these episodes. People seem to like them, too. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah, if this is the first one you're hearing, this is a looser environment. We like to have a drink and kind of look back. And yeah, this retrospective is is nice for me to kind of look at the growth that we've had and just like the stories and experiences we've shared with the listeners here. We are going to, in this episode, talk about our best read and our worst read. So of the things we read this year, what we like the most, what we like the least. We're also going to talk about our most surprising project or most surprising surprising thing i guess it could be a book or a movie and that is more subjective just like what that means to us individually and then we'll talk about our worst watch and our best watch aka best adaptation of the year Um, and we have not shared our responses with each other so we'll be hearing them from each other for the first time as you are hearing them and the statistics like i i do a lot of the statistics for number of episodes and sort of how that breaks down for yeah. books and films and everything and luke does a lot of the statistics on where we're downloaded and who who's listening so most downloaded neither- all that stuff we'll go over our most downloaded episodes real quick yeah so there's a lot to get through um one thing i do want to propose this year is that if our answer is the same we can just like talk we'll both talk about it rather than mm-hmm. like draw it out um, so if, if, you know, our best read is the same, we'll just talk about it and like that kind of stuff. So we'll reveal, um, but otherwise we'll go through and make our case for each one. Um, really curious to hear what your, what your thoughts are on all of these, because I feel like I, I know what you're going to say for a lot of the time. And then there's always some curveballs in there. Well, it's funny too, because as I'm going through the list and making my own, I look at it and I'm like, these are the objectively correct answers, right? right. And then it's funny, like, <laughs> usually we end up, like, not necessarily on the same page with some of them, and, and but most of the time I somewhat align with yeah. with how you're feeling. So we'll see if that's similar today. But before we get into all of that, how was your year, man? You look at 2022, like, in the past we've talked about living through COVID, we've talked about the elections, you know, and, like, this year we had a big midterm, and there's there's been lots of things happening. Um, how did you feel about 2022 in general? 2022 was sort of a return to mostly normalcy, I would say. New normal, right? New normal, It's like yeah. normal is not the same as it was. I mean, on a personal note, it was a good year for growth for me. I think I took a lot of steps professionally and um, 
just I, I feel like I'm better than I was last year. What, is, what does that look like? Operating cameras more, getting onto bigger productions and and just learning from people who've been doing it for such a long time and, and uh, really seeing like my my work take a step. And, and is this the first year you had that promotion? Because I know you got a big promotion. Um, yeah, technically it was. I got promoted to be an associate course director in like April, March or April of, of last year. So this year, I you know, that was another big step in the progression, I would say, is like, um, I, I continue to do a ton of freelance and, and do the stuff that I'm super passionate about. But another cool thing was in 2020, I was I got the opportunity to start teaching as well. And it, it's been really rewarding in a different way than I ever thought uh, I'd be, you know, approaching some of this stuff. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I've been keeping up with it, you know, from afar and, and cheering you on. Uh, listening to last year's episode, one of my resolutions I talk about was wanting to finish my book. And I didn't really outline what that meant at the time, but like what I meant by that was finish the draft so that I'm ready to query and ready to try and send it to publishers by the end of 2022. And I have done that. You know what I mean? Uh, Listening back to that and actually hearing it and going, hey, I actually met that goal. Um, That was rewarding to hear. Um, I had my uh, my story come out in Reckoning. That was a lot of fun throughout the year. There's a podcast episode of it now on the Reckoning podcast. Like that was all cool. So I would say it's been a good year for me. It's been a year that like I knew I had to really buckle down and get the hard work of finishing the book done. And this next year now I'm very excited about. And we just did a whole episode on Patreon uh, where we called it like Quarry Quest or something like that, which I'm not sure if that's the best name, but that's the name we just went with. And the last second we literally were like, let's just call it that. Um, and anyway, I talk about the process that I'm looking forward to getting into querying agents again, because I, I would be getting my second literary agent at this point, and what all goes into that. And I just like, I'm very excited about next year and, you know, nervous because that excitement could crash and burn or it could be the beginning of something really cool. So um, I'm pumped. I'm also excited to move on to, to writing new things. But um, let's revisit that. At the end of the episode, we'll talk about looking ahead to 2023. We'll talk about adaptations that we're looking ahead to. We'll talk about projects that we might do next year. All of that will be at the end. Before we move on, I did I did just want to comment on like, I'm super proud of you for finishing your book and, and I'm excited. Like, I can't imagine what, you know, it's sitting here thinking about what last looks 2023 looks like. I, I can't like just thinking of your book being published possibly. No, and, it like, won't it won't be published next year. I can guarantee you that. Okay. Well uh, so even up if and, you yeah, yeah. It could it could be it could be with a publisher. Sure. But it's a multi year process if you do traditional mm-hmm. publishing, which is what I'm trying to do. Um usually you hear minimum one year, if not two years, from wow. signing to publication, like actually on the shelf. Yeah. So in 2023 we could be talking about some some new developments with that. But even Knock like myself, wood, like yeah, even with myself, like the uh, like I got the opportunity to be a director of photography for the first time this year, and like the idea that I might continue to to pursue that and get to the point where I'm I am a, like that's my that's my main title because currently it's a lot of camera operating and some director of photography. So like if both of us, you know, just seeing the trajectory of our careers continue on, it's, it's really interesting. We keep yeah. doing these time capsules like this. And, and I like, hope that people find it interesting. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, you're, listen- I hope so. you're listening to our opinion. So I think our, our connectedness to the industry, which represents our expertise and what we're talking about, I think that's of note. So hopefully people find that cool. Well, we've said it before, like th- it's a, this is a, it's got multiple purposes, right? Like we love interacting with our with our audience and we love hearing thoughts of other people who love reading books and watching films, but it does also help us with our own craft. So so to see that bo- both of those things sort of symbiotically helping and 
continue on is really cool. All right, man. What did we do this year? Yeah. All right. Episodes and projects. Let's talk about this. So I'm going to start with the total number of episodes that we posted to the main feed in on Ink to Film okay. in 2022. And it's 49 episodes currently. When this episode comes out, there will be 50. It'll be the 50th. Okay. In, in 2022. Now, that is, that is including the last looks from 2021 which we posted in the beginning of oh, january i forgot we did that yeah yeah because we got delayed on that one does it right. include uh from the vault episodes that does include from the vault yeah okay which are also Patri- former patreon exclusives right yeah um so we had 21 total projects wow i think that's more i think last year we had 18 i was looking wow and i think this has something to do with the fact that we did 11 short stories this year yeah most ever by far has to be we did so many short stories this year which is cool i you know you mentioned in our last episode in our last looks from 2021 that you wanted to read more short uh, oh, short man. fiction and short story so there's that you brought it up i i said i was gonna read one a week i think it was very ambitious did not do that but we well, had a book to finish so it's understandable yeah i read a bit of short stories more than i especially early on and then we also ended up covering more short stories than ever so in a sense i did read more short fiction <laughs> sure i kind of already started leading us into the situation but number of books that we covered okay so 21 total projects that's that's you know including tv shows plays comics. and comics all yeah. kinds of stuff that we covered uh tv shows movies of those 21 projects now this is going to get a little funny too and yeah. i'll explain a lot of this the number of books that we read and books being the written material mm-hmm. that we tend to see as the source we read 25 books now you're you're saying like why wait why is there more books than projects that we Did covered? You count multiple volumes of sandman or so I didn't count multiple volumes of Sandman because that was one comic run. Okay. But I did. We covered, you know, five short stories for Cabinet of Curiosity. Right. And um, I counted the podcast for Archive 81, sure. which was something else that we yeah, covered. It's not a read, but I get as you. the source. So let me let me break it down. Twenty five books, one novella, which was the body. 11 short stories, like I said, five, Cabinet of Curiosity, The Illusionist, After Yang, Spiderhead, Smooth Talk and Johnny Mnemonic. And then uh, one short children's novel, James and the Giant Peach. We talked about Sandman and its single comic run, which was 20 issues. Yeah. And then uh, one play, Macbeth. And so that's all the stuff we read that weren't full novels. And then we also read nine full novels. Okay, cool. Yeah, which I think is the least. I feel like I've read the least novels this year. I agree. Of any year, which is kind of a weird feeling. Like I kind of feel like I was slacking somehow and I wasn't reading as many books as I should have been. So... Um, we'll see. It's it's interesting how much my reading uh, life is tied to this now. Like it's it's really this is it. This is what I mostly read, right? Just for the podcast. Yeah. I've been so I made a decision this year to to really pursue reading outside of the podcast, and I found it really fun. Yeah. Um, it's tough to do. How many books did you read outside? Probably f- six, nice. like large fantasy novels. So That's that was awesome, man. that was cool. Yeah. Uh, it was fun because, and you know what it was? It was we read um, Wheel of Time and, yeah. and then it was like, hold on, you can't read the second one. So I went and read other fantasy to fill that void. And I just got really sucked into some fantasy worlds nice. this year. I read, I reread uh, The Haunting of Hill House for another podcast I was on, uh, Why the Book Wins nice. podcast. I, I went on uh, with Laura and talked about it with her. So that was a book that I reread that I didn't, that Great doesn't book. count into this. Haunting of Hill House was my best read of 2021. So. I got to read it again in 2022. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. One of your favorites probably from this year too. The number of episodes that we posted that covered book material and this, there's some overlap here with the film episodes because sometimes we do half of a book and half of a show at the same time as one episode to kind of fill in for shows. There were 23 episodes posted to the main feed that were 
based around books. So that's if you're looking through the feed, 23 of them will in some way cover books. Um, and that's with 23 episodes for films as well. Um, moving into this, 19 films we watched and four television shows. Okay. Four TV shows again, man. We keep doing TV, um, and I'm sure we'll do more of it, but it continues to be a little tricky. It's just not as easy. The reason that it's harder is that we actually, co- I-, I looked through the feed, and eight of the episodes posted to the main feed were covering those four TV shows. So yeah. roughly two episodes per per show, and you honestly sometimes longer than that, right? To, uh, depending on how we want to cover it. But some of those are so rewarding, though. So it's it's hard to cut them out. Like they're so good. There's some of these that we couldn't have missed, and yeah. and you know, our, so it's the four that we covered for TV shows: Station Eleven, Archive Eighty One, The Sandman, and Cabinet of Curiosities. Yeah. You talked about from the vault episodes. I think this is by far the most from the vault episodes we posted. Oh. Um, we posted eight from the vault episodes okay. this year. So we were slacking this year, I guess. <laughs> now, I, I some some may see that as slacking, but often if we needed to take from the vault, it was because either I was on a production or I think you had one where you needed you had something going on I'm sure. with your work. Um, so. I, it's just going to be the nature of the beast. We'd like to still get the, the content out there for our listeners because, you know, that was a re- an episode that we recorded. And I think a lot of the bonus episodes, you know, I like to be able to expose those to the rest of the Yeah, I mean, community. in theory, it's giving people a taste of what they can get on Patreon. So hopefully it'll it'll yeah. entice you to come over to Patreon. Uh, this leads us into guests that we had on this year. Yeah. And we had so episodes on the main feed that ha- that feature guests. We had 10 episodes. Wow. OK, I was thinking we were down this year, but that sounds like. That might be more, actually. Well, we had seven guests, okay. but we had... A lot of them came back multiple times. Cool. I think seven is about the same, actually, if I remember correctly, as last year. So we... And just to shout them out, because, you know, we love having people on to give different perspectives. Laura of Why the Book Wins podcast came on for Smooth Talk, and then later came on for the third Hobbit film. Yeah. Power to her for that one. Kate, Kate Ristow came on for The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, which was the second one. Yep. Uh, Colton and Andrew of Watch Review Repeat came on for The Hobbit, uh, Unexpected Journey, the first one. Yep. Rachel K. Jones came on for two episodes of Frankenstein, the novel and the film, the 1931 film. Uh, Simone Heller came on for two episodes of The Last Unicorn, the novel and the film. Michael DeLuca came on for Tragedy of Macbeth. And Patrick Swenson came on for Station Eleven. Yeah. What a, what a cool year of guests. You know, that's a, a collection of people who I know really well and other people who I, you know, just kind of met. Um, it, it's, it, that's a fun group and they were all excellent. So yeah, shout out to all of them for joining us. And, uh, yeah, a special shout out to those who helped us with the slog of the, the three Hobbit films. Um, you know, that was not easy, but yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, our first real topic here is our most surprising. I like to come out of the gates with this, right? Um, and we can take that to mean whatever we want. It's usually for me, where I was at with expectations going in and what I ended up getting. So it's a very personal, subjective thing about expectations versus what I got. Um, and I don't know, if did you approach it the same way? Is, is, is it was like was something exceeded expectations or what? I think exceeded expectations is definitely the way that I was going with it. But I wouldn't be opposed to if something totally surprised me in a bad way, having that on my list one year. This this time it was it was a good one. Do you want to go first or you want me to? All right. I um, actually have a runner up and an honorable mention. And then I have my my choice for this one. I'll quickly go through the first two and then and then uh, I we can go back and forth, I guess. So for most surprising, my my honorable mention was Emma, the 2020 film, uh, Autumn to Wild that we covered, 
because I didn't expect to like that movie as much as I did. I actually had a really good time with it. I thought it was a really visually interesting, uh, you know, f- just colorful, fun, vibrant movie that uh, I didn't expect to like as much as I did. So that was my honorable mention. I'm going to jump in because that was my most surprising. Uh, in That was my number one. So, number one. so, okay. so since we've met, we matched. Let's let's talk about it a little more. Yeah. Uh, Genre that I'm not super accustomed to and don't think that I really take to very well. Right. Um, this this film like subverted yeah. expectations and I think made it so that it was more approachable in ways. But also, it like we talked about it, it gave it this nice edge that I think it was kind of leaning into in that the sensibilities of the of the novel, yeah. which is older, and then and then sort of giving it that modern flair of of an edge, but keeping it I don't know subtle. And kind of, but like you said, the cinematography is something that stuck with me. Just extremely colorful, and the way that it pops, and the way that all of the characters look amazing, and their costuming, and just it looks great. And and coming in from very traditional Jane Austen, uh, Jane Austen novel, and getting getting an adaptation like this. It's our second Jane Austen adaptation. So we did the original Pride and Prejudice. So that kind of like set the bar, and then also the standard for what a Jane Austen adaptation looks like. And so seeing something like this that went outside that that sort of uh, cookie cutter shape was cool to yeah. see, like someone really totally because it could, it could have felt just like a BBC historical piece, yeah. or or just a, or just someone trying to do their best impression of a Pride and Prejudice style adaptation. Yeah. Sure, and um, and I just want to shout out Autumn DeWilde again because that and, and we talked about her background in music videos and the, and the, she brought a lot of that to it and it was you know it was super rich and I, I just really love that film. So my runner up was Archive eighty one, the TV show. Uh, so that was one that was based off of a podcast. Really didn't know what to make of it going in. I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, and then in the like the kind of souring twist is that I don't think the show ended super strong so that was also kind of a surprise because of how strong I thought it began um so there was just a lot of surprise in that project and I think back about it and I was all over the place up and down on that so that was my runner-up not my top choice though so my winner was The Body by Stephen King and maybe I shouldn't have been surprised that I was going to like it as much as I did um but I really liked this novella and you comparing it to stand by me, the film um, I was, I thought that this was going to be one where like the movie was just like hands down way better. Um, But there was a lot to like in the body. Um, I had a really good time with that read in particular. Um, Whereas like when we watched the stand, it was a lot more what I was expecting. Whereas the surprise for me in that project was the body. And uh, ultimately I ended up giving it to that one, but you know, runner up is right there. Um, But yeah, I'll give it to the body. Yeah. Great story. Um, Super nostalgic, especially if you can identify with those those characters, mm-hmm. like it, it just it hits that note that it's it's kind of hard to put your finger on. But coming of age, losing friends, growing up, nostalgia. It's also kind of literary mode for King. Yeah, and it's the same kind of reason why nowadays something like Stranger Things is is popular, right? Like you, the demographic that's reading it is kind of reminiscing about some of that stuff, and then the younger generation clicks into it as well and and likes. I don't want to undersell though, because I, I feel like sometimes like you people hear a nostalgia fest, I think that's like all it is. I felt like there was a lot of good heart in this book and, and sure. it was like bittersweet in a lot of ways about growing up and like actually had a lot of interesting things to say about that whole process. It wasn't just like what, you know, this is what things were remember like. Remember this? Yeah, it wasn't that. You remember this? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, let's share a little statistical thing we've done uh, every year since we started this, I believe, is we talk about our f- top five states we were downloaded in uh, real quickly last year. 
it was number five, New York, number four, Texas, number three, Florida, number two, California, and number one, Ohio, which was like a big shock, uh, stormed into our top five and took the top spot. Um, now this year, 2022, we had some shakeups, we had some jockeying and we had some surprises. Um, so, and some familiar names, so don't get me wrong. So let's go from five to one top five, most downloaded new arrival, Oregon cracked the top five at number five this year, which you say new arrival, but they're back. They're back. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Previous years, Oregon's probably been there. I didn't go through all of them, but, um, Oregon, I mean, that's where I live currently. It's where, like, all my friends are now. <laughs> it's like I know a lot of people here, so I would hope that there would be a decent number of listens in this area. Uh, also, Portland. I was surprised you know, last year that it wasn't in there. I was, too. Um, but, yeah, back in this year, Oregon's back. Um, and speaking of Pacific Northwest, number four was Washington State. Uh, also, I feel like has been right around that top five, but not always in there. And, in fact, was not in there last year. So that's already two that have that have come in that were not there. So knock some stuff out. Love it. Uh, number three, California. So number three. So California was number two last year, has fallen to number three uh, because it swapped positions with our former last year, number three, Florida, which is now this year's number two. So Florida moved up. Number two. It's where we're from. It's where you live. It's a big state. Um, lots of people listen there. And uh, yeah, that's uh, our number two most downloaded State now number one. I know I've been saying it's Ohio again. Ohio has fallen all the way out of the top five this year. Wow. So who do you think? uh, Who do you think replaced him? Who's number one? Oh man, Uh, New York. Good guess. New York also fell out of the top five this year. Our number one, Texas. Wow. Yeah. In fact, I think Dallas Fort Worth. When I looked, like I clicked and looked in even closer, like that was the market that our was our top market in the country. It's all those transplants. Everybody's going to Texas. I heard. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, apparently, people like and ink the film there. So shout out to everybody in Texas. Uh, you guys are awesome. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening. I heard there's a lot of people there, too. Yeah, that's, that's a good probably uh, reason why. Uh, okay, so that's maybe a little self-indulgent, but I think it's fun, especially for us to look back on. Um, are you ready to share worst read? I think let's have you go first this time since I went first last time. And then I'll, if you say the same thing, I'll just chime in. Yeah, and it might be because you know, recency bias and everything, but I'm going to go with 58 minutes, which we just covered. By Walter Wager. That was mine as well. Yep. yep. 58 minutes. Yeah. Because none of the other ones stood out to me as a, as a worse read. Like yeah. this, this wasn't aggressively bad. I didn't, it wasn't really my cup of tea, like I said in, in our episode about it, but the rest of the stuff that we covered, I was like, wow, yep. these are all just uh, incredibly good. So if you don't know, this is the basis for Die Hard 2. The uh, sort of the bones of the plot was stolen <laughs> aka adapted from this novel and turned into Die Hard 2 and uh yeah I I agree I didn't I did not like the main character I think I called him like aggressively boring or, or the most boring protagonist ever something like that I was not very complimentary I mean there's some questionable things that are in there that we don't agree with morally yeah and, it yeah. hasn't aged well in many ways now it was a fast-paced thriller with lots of action um, so there are things to like about it. I just like I would I had kind of turned against it at a certain point to, re- while reading it. And it's just hard to to really enjoy something once you feel that way. And um, yeah, that was my worst read. And like you said, I didn't even do any runners up because I didn't feel like it was particularly close. I think that was that was by far the worst read. Um, but we don't like talking about bad stuff very much. Um, we will do it when it's deserved. And I think it was deserved here. Um, sorry, Walter Wager, uh, although I think he has passed on. Um, but yeah, that book, not very good. Yeah. You'd be Kaye 58 minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but let's, 
palate cleanse and move immediately into one of my absolute favorite topics, and that's the best read of the year. Uh, as the book, as the resident book guy, I guess um, this is where I'm at. Um, I have an honorable mention. I have a runner-up, and I have a winner. How do you want to go about this one, James? I have a runner-up and a couple of like sort of honorable mentions. Yeah, I would love for you to give an on- well, at least one honorable mention of the books you read outside the pod. Just let me know which one of those was your favorite. Okay, sure. Honorable mention outside the pod. I loved. Um, so I've been reading through some Sanderson's material. Mm-hmm. And he's well known. So you may have heard of him. He's a fantasy author. Yeah. And uh, Brandon Sanderson. He, he uh, has the Stormlight Archive, and I, I dove into that this year. And the first one, uh, The Way of Kings, really, really gripped me and brought me into a, a fantasy world in a way that it, you know it's very unique in a way that I hadn't read at least in a very long time. So that that's one that I'll talk about. And then really the third one was where I was like, okay, th- this he this author is doing something different that not a lot of people are doing. Is that Oathbreaker? Oathbringer. Bringer? Bringer. Yeah, Oathbringer. I haven't read that one. I've only read the first two. Again, I don't have the time to read a ton of fantasy, so I'm not like an expert on it. Yeah. But in terms of the things that I've consumed, I-, I felt like it's really cool to see somebody doing this in the space. And he is kind of a, a genre swallowing name right now. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's that to be said as well. Like read other people besides Sanderson, but I've enjoyed my time in his story so far. Cool. All right. Uh, so how about back to the pod? What was your, uh, do you have an honorable mention or a runner up you want to start with? I So my honorable mention is like, I'm going to state this as a joke, but I don't, I don't mean for it to be because okay. like, <laughs> are we even allowed to not say that Macbeth and Frankenstein oh. <laughs> were the best reads of the year? No, that's a good point. That's a really solid point. And in fact, yeah, let's just go ahead and say those are also my honorable mentions. <laughs> yeah. Macbeth. I, and, I, uh, I mean, like to not state those two I feel like would be going against all literary criticism at this point that's true I mean they're fantastic but they're like it's like saying the Mona Lisa is a great painting it's like okay yeah right it's you know widely considered the like greatest of all time so like why it's not interesting to talk about that much so unfortunately that wasn't in my list but like when you say that you're totally right like they should be said yeah. Yeah. So let's get that out of the way. <laughs> Their influence can't be understated. Okay. So those are my sort of honorable mentions. Do you want to give some of yours? Yeah, I'm going to give my runner up. So, uh, oh, no. Yeah. Honorable mention. So my honorable mention was The Autopsy by Michael Shea, which was my favorite of the Cabinet of Curiosity stories. It was a dark sort of almost cosmic horror uh, involved sci-fi uh, without spoiling it too much. Um, body horror. There's a lot of things about it that is right up my alley. And I thought it was really well executed. Again, my favorite of any of the stories we read for that anthology series. And uh, it was also surprising. It could have been on my surprising list. Um, Really cool. So, yeah, I will give The Autopsy by Michael Shea at least an honorable mention. And then let's move into the runner-up, I think. Runner-up for me, and this was tough, but I decided to go with this because in in the episode itself, I think I said, like, if I had read this when I was a teenager, it would have become my entire fucking world. And uh, I still feel that way. And that's the Sandman. Um, those comics were so good. I love them. And um, I will say, I, I, I really, this is kind of issues one through 16. I felt like the, the four that came after were a little more hit or miss for me. Um, but overall, just such a great run. Um, I'm really excited to see a season two of the Sandman and, and read some more of these comics because I'm loving them, man. Yeah. Which we haven't even stated on the podcast. Like we, we, you know, we, we, back when Sandman was finishing up, we were hopeful that it would continue, but it's confirmed now that it will be coming back for a season two. So was that one of yours? 
This was my runner up. Okay, runner up. Both of our runner ups. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I love that we were able to represent first of all the visual medium of comics. Like, I feel that that's like, and you know, at this point, it's pretty pretty mainstream. But you know, sure. for a long time, it wasn't. And and I love this sort of storytelling. I love the way that it's it's meshing both of our both of our preferred mediums mm-hmm. like it's we're getting the visual medium mixed with the narrative and you're getting an author like neil gaiman yeah. coming in and telling the story about some some incredible super cool dream god and and i just i had so much fun with it and i can't wait to read it more. was a piece falling into place for me for like understanding who neil gaiman is in the genre as a as a figure it's like oh this is his thing it's like it really comes back to sandman and he established so many hallmarks of what makes his fiction cool and interesting and it was it's incredibly well written, incredibly well drawn. I'm still fairly new to comics, I guess, but like at some point, I probably have to stop saying that. But like, it, I still haven't read that many, and just to s- have my mind blown by what was possible, uh, and and reading that, even though it was done, you know, way back when, um, so cool, so fun. So big shout out to that. But I I felt like I needed to have a novel, and really that might have been the deciding factor is that I wanted, because I feel like a comic is, yeah, you are reading a comic, but you're also kind of like just looking at a comic, because you're looking at art. Um, So I wanted to give it to a pure read, and give it to a novel, and for me, uh, gotta go all the way back to the beginning of the year, Station Eleven, Emily St. John Mandel was my read of the year. I said it in the episode, this is gonna be a really hard one to dethrone, this might be my, my read of the year. And it, it held out. It held out against many oncomers and, and many contenders. And it held out against Macbeth and, and Frankenstein. For me, for <laughs> me, I'm not saying it's the better book, but it's the one I enjoyed more. And I will stand by that because it's 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 modern. It's the kind of thing I really like. I thought it's beautiful and poignant and sad. And unlike The Stand, which did not age super well post-COVID, I think Station Eleven aged great. Like I think it, it really captured something. It's not even necessarily about the pandemic itself. It's about the fallout of it, yeah. and and like the the emotional trauma. And this is my best read of the year as well. Station okay, Eleven. Okay, awesome. So we're in agreement. Station Eleven just hit me so squarely because we were in sort of a borderline post-pandemic world, and just the way that like I don't know if it's super morbid, but like it could have been worse in in ways and like just how we were dealing with things that even if it had been far, far worse, we still would have been dealing with and the way that that was relatable in a way. And and like you said, extremely like emotionally driven and the narrative really pulled me in and the way that we had these different, they're like these different storylines that all come together at some point and I mean, we talked about in the show Macbeth and and I think King Lear King specifically Lear, yeah. was highly important. And, and just having those two things and Shakespeare sort of thread in and the idea of storytelling in a post-pandemic world and, and how like storytelling is still important, even when survival is the only thing on your mind is really powerful to me as an artist. Yeah. Survival is not sufficient is, uh, is the line right. from the book. And you're totally right. I think uh, and that's why I think it aged better because the book is about how surviving the apocalypse gives us perspective on our lives from before the apocalypse. And that was intercutting between those two. I felt like there was always this effect of like the thing we're reading post-apocalypse influencing what we're reading pre-apocalypse and like casting it in a new light and like teaching us lessons about our lives and our modern lives. 
Um, and I, I love all of that. I think it aged really well. Yes, you know, very different situation because that was obviously way worse in the book. But like, I think that's still very applicable to today because post twenty twenty and pre twenty twenty is a that is a pivot point in world history that we are for the rest of our lives we're going to look back on and talk about life before twenty twenty, the pandemic, and life after. It just it just is, and hu- it was a huge event that affected everybody. That's really cool that we came down on the same one. Uh, last year, we did not. So last year, uh, your winner for best read was Slaughterhouse-Five, Kurt Vonnegut, mm-hmm. which- Stand by that. One of my favorite books, so yeah. like, I'm not going <laughs> to knock you there. Mine was The Haunting of Hill House, Shirley Jackson, which was like a new find for me. I'd never read a Shirley Jackson novel before. Absolutely loved it. My runner-up was Slaughterhouse-Five. Your runner-up last year was Dune, by the way, which, yeah, of course, that's a great book too. Sure. So totally yeah. with you there. You know, we got to cover Mary Shelley this year with Frankenstein yeah. and, and the way that like the horror, women of horror and the way that that has sort of, you know, Haunting of Hill House was a progression of that from Mary Shelley. And, and you know, it kind of puts into perspective like reading Frankenstein and thinking back now to Haunting of Hill House and just the way it all comes together, the genre sort of develops out of Frankenstein. It's really cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, okay, so that was our best read. I'm sad, but we got to move on. Uh, let's talk about the top five countries we were downloaded in. And this is going to be a quick one because guess what? Exactly the same. <laughs> Five to one. Belgium, Germany, Canada, Australia, UK. Same order, same countries. Wow. Yeah. How about that? Consistent. They're just consistent. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, not as exciting, I guess, to talk about because it's the same. But like, shout out to all of those countries. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure we, we once again, we want to go to these countries. I'd love to visit. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, let's bring that joke back yeah. again. I'm sure I said it last year, but just the perspective changing realization that people all around the world are listening to us is, is it really humbles you when you think about that. And, and, you know, I really appreciate that people are like as interested as we are in these subjects. Taking time out of their day to listen to us talk about books and movies, you know, and like caring. Yeah. What we say and finding it interesting. So that's, that is really humbling. And uh, definitely thank you all. Um, not only outside the country, but, you know, those five states we just talked about and other states, everybody, everybody, everywhere. <laughs> All at once. But yeah, now we, we got to get, <laughs> we got to get negative again. Uh, we're going to go worst watch. And do you want to yeah. lead off on this one? Or do you want me to? Sure. I have a runner up. I thought I wouldn't have a runner up, but I have a runner up too. Okay. I'll, I'm sure they're the same. Maybe. Okay. So my runner up is uh, Spiderhead, which was a Netflix film that we watched. Not the same. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, I'll talk about Spiderhead. So this felt like the most bizarre attempt to to create what was in the source material. It felt like a vehicle for Hemsworth. And I, I like Hemsworth a lot. I think he's got good comedic chops. He was an interesting villain, I guess. But it was it, it, it felt like it didn't necessarily understand the, the source material in ways. And it, it sort of devolves into this really weird thing that I it feels like a fever dream. You got lazy at the end and it didn't it wanted to end it in a way that was like a big Hollywood ending instead of the weird ending that the story had and um, it just didn't translate well yeah I'm with you I mean it's not a good movie <laughs> I'm, I'm totally yeah. with you on that one <laughs> um, it was not my choice so I actually I kind of had two runners up but really it's one but like I'll, I'll mention them both so giant mnemonic mm. not a good movie um, yeah but it was fun like I remember laughing my ass off in that episode with you and so like that made it to where that wasn't the winner for me because I just had so much fun talking about it, even though not a good movie. Um, and then my other runner up is specifically the Graveyard Rats episode from Cabinet of Curiosities, which I think was the worst. Although you might argue that one of those love uh, the Lovecraft one um, 
Dreams in the Witch House, I, I also really didn't like. But I think if I had to pick, Graveyard Rats is probably it. So that seems, sounds like it's soured even more for you as time has gone on. There too. is some fun like campiness to it. But like ultimately, mm-hmm. like thinking back about it, it's just not a very good episode. And I know I've talked to a lot of people who bounced off of the show basically due to because that episode. Yeah. Which is a What bomber. a weird choice. I, I mean, like that wasn't the first episode. The no. first one was the lot 39 yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah. But but it was a weird choice to have both of those back to back as like you start with something really strong. I would start with the strongest episode, arguably. Yeah, which we talked about. There are some bangers later on in that. Yeah. We covered on Patreon some that weren't adapted from short stories that were really good. There were some that we really, really liked. Like, yeah, you start, start. Um, I think there are four episodes, which I, I said before. I think uh, the autopsy, the outside. And then um, from the ones we watched later, it was um, the murmuring and the viewing. The viewing. Yeah, the viewing. Those are the four. You watch those four episodes. The other ones are optional, um, but those four are really, really good. I totally agree. Yeah, you want me to tell you my my least favorite film of the year? Uh, let me give you mine first. Since you're the film guy, okay. you can hit me with the ear. So uh, I have a feeling this one might be the same. The Battle of Five Armies, The Hobbit. Is that the same? Yeah, same. Same, okay. same for me, yeah. <laughs> so we can just talk about it. I hate that movie. It was it's really bad. Yeah. Um, it's worse than I remembered. It was an absolute slog to watch. Um, right. Brutal. Can we shout out Laura of Why the Book yeah, Wins again for, sure. for coming on? And it's not her preferred genre. Yeah. She was a really good sport about it and um, found things to, to talk about. So shout out to her again for coming on and talk, talking that film with us. Um, yeah, it's it's just, again, we talked last year about expectations, right? The expectations of what a Hobbit film or unfortunately trilogy could be, this doesn't come close. And we talked, you know, I, I gave and I continue to give Jackson, Peter Jackson, a lot of grace because it's an insurmountable task that he had, like he had to contend with giant corporations and all these other things going on. But it's kind of inexcusable at the end of the day because you just walk in that situation. You can't take away what he did with Lord of the Rings. But at the same time, you can't excuse what happened with The Hobbit. So, yeah. yeah. And I know he was trying to like, do I think it could have been worse based on like once Del Toro left? Do I think it could have been worse from what Jackson delivered? Yes. But also he could have decided to to be like, okay, well, things aren't going well. Let's simplify. And instead he expanded. Yeah. He just like, gave, it felt like he really just gave in to all the worst influences and people asking for things. And just, he just let it go and uh, released his creative control, it seems like to me, and just, yeah. and just welcomed all the bullshit in. We also watched the extended cut, which we don't recommend. Don't recommend it. Um, don't do it. But we did it. We did it. Um, you know, fun episode. If if you like hearing me rant, I definitely rant a lot in that episode. (laughs) And again, Peter Jackson's hugely influential to me with the Lord of the Rings films. And then I continue to love the stuff that he's doing with the Beatles, uh, doc that he did. And then the World War One documentary, like he, he's great filmmaker and he's going to continue to make some really poignant, awesome stuff. But that was, it's going to be his low point, honestly. Has to be. All right, man. So I'm excited to get to our main event which is our best watch and adaptation but before we do i'd like to go over our top 10 most downloaded episodes in 2022 um we like to share these because we feel like it is a chance for people to maybe find out if there's something they missed from this year that's really hot and that people are that people are really liking um we'd like to kind of view it that way um so without further ado from 10 to 1 most downloaded episodes of 2022, we had The Intersection of Science Fiction and Horror, the uh, 2001 Space Odyssey film watch episode. Uh, episode number 228 was our 10th most downloaded episode. Um, 
I won't. I guess let's not dive into it too much, but um, especially for the you know ten ten to six. Um, very fun episode though. Uh, look back on that one fondly. Definitely. Uh, number nine, the third murderer, our tragedy of Macbeth film episode featuring Michael DeLuca. So great uh, f- uh, guest episode, episode number two eighteen, I should say. Um, ninth most downloaded. A lot of fun, cool movie. Uh, but we'll move on. Number eight, Hack Your Own Brain, Johnny Mnemonic, which we just talked about a little bit ago. Episode number 221, our eighth most downloaded episode. That's surprising, honestly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm curious. So the other two you kind of expected, but this one. I I would say that they're films that people, you know, there's a lot to dig into with them. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, Okay, moving up. Number seven, Getting Into the Spirit, our Station Eleven 2021 TV series, episode six through ten, Featuring Patrick Swinson, guest episode, episode 216. Uh, Yeah, that is our Station Eleven finishing out the show and making our judgment on which was better, show or book. I loved having Patrick Swinson on, too, because he had that that background in in some Shakespearean literature, right? He's an English teacher, so he teaches Shakespeare. And he loves Emily St. John Mandel, a massive fan of the the book series and, and the author. So really cool. Great person to have on. Yeah. Huge shout out to both of our guests so far. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, uh, number six, Break a Few Eggs, the uh, Emma 2020 film. Um, So that was one that we've already talked about as being a surprise. Uh, We had a lot of fun with it, and it was our sixth most downloaded episode. Okay, now we're into our top five. So most downloaded, number five, An Apocalyptic Perspective, Station Eleven, the novel. So our best read of the year, our first episode of the year. So honestly, it has the best chance at being the most downloaded but it delivered. It's in the top five. Great book. A lot of fun to talk about. And our fifth most downloaded of the year. That's great. All right. So number four is by far the most recent on the list. And that is Cosmic Horror is Hard to Adapt. Our Cabinet of Curiosities, episodes five and six. That is our Lovecraft episodes. Wow. Where we talk about those two. You know what? Lovecraft fans are pretty are pretty passionate bunch. So I'm sure they wanted to hear our thoughts on that. Yeah, and that one in particular, I think, had had a lot of traction on YouTube, um, which helped a little bit by comparison. Um, so, so yeah, that ended up being our fourth most downloaded episode of the year, and it's one where we kind of shit on those two episodes. I mean, we were mixed uh, uh, on Pikmin's model, but it definitely uh, Dreams in the Witch House we both didn't like. So um, kind of a negative episode, but I always feel bad, but like people must have liked it, or I hope they did. Yeah, I wonder if that means that some people were finding some topics that they agreed with yeah. in the episode. And- share, share it with a friend. Like, I didn't really love that. And like, I, I was having trouble articulating why. But like, listen to these guys, like they talk about why. That would be cool. I would I would like to think that at least, you know, it's nice. All right. So top three, number three, Shakespeare's nastiest play, Macbeth, which <laughs> was episode 217. So our first time ever covering Shakespeare and our episode we did, uh, no guest, just me and you. Talking about the right. play was our third most downloaded of the year. To have the opportunity to get to dig into it in the way that we do for the podcast was so fun. And I'm glad people are responding to it. And I think there's some mystique that that sort of travels around some of Shakespeare's work. And maybe some people find it intimidating. But the fact that we were able to cover it and maybe bring it to some some people. And in, I don't know. I hope talk about it in an approachable way. I mean, we we both played God of War recently. You sent me a text yeah, about how right. you found a Macbeth reference in in God of War, and like that's that's so cool that we're you know we have that that puzzle piece filled in. Yeah. Now. If, for those of you who've played, it's Mimir, the like 
the severed head. At some point, he like tells a story, and it's it's the story of Macbeth. They don't say Macbeth, but it is. They say what do they say? The Thane, the Thane, the, the of, Thane, yeah. The, yeah, the Thane, the Scottish. I don't even think it's just, they say they say Scottish, but yeah, they're talking about a Thane and a king, and they they give the plot outline essentially of Macbeth, and then and then uh, I think it's uh, the boy says like, uh, you should write that down or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah, um, That's good. Okay, number two. And this one was kind of a surprise for me. I just didn't think this project would have as much um, pull as it ended up having. That was The Devil at Your Door, Smooth Talk. Wow. Number That's two cool. most downloaded. So that one uh, also featured Laura of Why the Book Wins. And um, it was so much fun to talk about that movie and to dive into that story. Um, what a cool one. And it's it's a Joyce Carol Oates who is kind of a controversial figure, I guess at least if you follow her on Twitter. Um, but you know, a big name in lit- in literary uh, the literary world, definitely a cool one. And yeah, I'm excited to see it get as much play as it did. That's great. Yeah, I think back to that one, and there's some weird stuff going on in the story. And I know it was by design, but what a what a wild project that was. And yeah, shout out to Laura for coming on and, and helping us through that one. That was like. I just remember that that character was so dark. Yeah, like, I, I, based off a real serial killer. Kind of tough to read at times. Yeah, yeah. uncomfortable to, story. To watch as well. Really yeah. excellently crafted short story. Where are you going? Where have you been? It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot to dig into there. Um, okay, and that's all. All that remains is our number one most downloaded episode. Any guesses? I don't even know. Um, Maybe one of the Station Eleven, just because of the popularity. You of got it. it, man. It's the one Station Eleven episode we haven't talked about yet, and that is the, the beginning of the TV series episodes one through five. Hatchet to the Loop. Uh, yeah, we talk. We first start talking about the series, and uh, what a good one that one was because we really enjoyed that series and um, had a lot of fun talking about it. And yeah, very early on in the year again, so that gives it a good chance to build steam over time. And uh, it what ended up being our most downloaded episode of the year. Yeah, I mean, it means it has to perform too, though. And and like I think, rightfully so. If if anything's to get a ton of views, I would hope that or a ton of downloads, I would hope that it was Station Eleven, just because that's that's a book and a and a project in general that I that I feel like I I just want to expose people yeah. to. That's one of those ones. It does that, feel like a show that didn't get enough hype, right? Like didn't get enough play. And and I'm scared that with HBO sort of pulling stuff, that at some point they may pull yeah. Station Eleven or something. Yeah, that would be check awful. it out if you haven't got a chance. Really good. And like I think a lot of people might be a little hesitant to go into it because of COVID, and they're like, I don't want to have to relive pandemic stuff. Yeah, it's not really that, but yeah. it's so worth it, and it's so good. Actually, it actually really works um, in a post-COVID world. So um, I recommend that episode. All right, here we go. Our f- main event, the thing the that we event. build to every year. <laughs> And that is our best watch, um, which is also the best adaptation. We were talking before we started recording. We were like, is it the best movie we watched or is it the best adaptation? And the answer of this material. Yeah, and yeah. the answer is like, I don't know. And neither do you. Um, it's and it's also like kind of it's hard for me to differentiate those two things because they do run together so much the way we cover stuff. Um, so ultimately kind of one in the same Um Anyway, yeah, I didn't really know, but I have not only my winner and a runner-up, I also have an honorable mention and an honorable mention from outside the podcast. Oh, wow. Okay. I uh, I have an honorable mention, and, and since it's there's some synergy going on, I'll, I'll mention it. And don't take this as a slate in any way, but it's Station Eleven. Okay, um, cool. No. That, that's a best watch 
I, I had such a good time with that series. It was the best, sh- one of the best shows I watched this year. I'm trying to rack my brain right now and see if it's the best, but it was definitely the best we've watched for the podcast and the performances that were there and the ways that it made me feel along the way. It was so like emotional. It, it really, really captured a lot of what I loved about the the novel in, in different ways too. And the way that it, it really, uh, like I said, centered on that idea of storytelling, maybe more than the story itself, but I think there was some there in the original source material. Just the way that seeing per- performers on stage doing doing Shakespeare uh, and how that that will forever be this really moving experience and, and seeing it, whether no matter what happens, there will be people out there to tell stories. And, and you know, there's a legacy to that, I think. And, and it just, I, I love the way that the, the show made me feel and, and the way that it, it brought together a lot of those storylines and I just had a great time with it. Also, an honorable mention of mine. So I'll go ahead and say it. Uh, yeah, Station Eleven. I, I, it was my. Be- it was the best show we covered of the year. It's my top show. Um, it didn't quite win for best thing we watched, but um, yeah, great show. I liked a lot of smart adaptation choices that were made. I do remember at the end not loving everything they did. There was like certain changes I wasn't as, as on board with. So there, there was just enough there to keep me back from like saying like this was my watch of the year. It was perfect. You know, it wasn't quite that, but uh, shout out Patrick Somerville, who was the showrunner, did a great job. Um, so yeah, fully deserves honorable mention. I'm also going to give my honorable mention from outside the pod. Um, yeah. and that's going to be the house of the dragon. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, because I have read fire and blood. I read it years ago. It's, I don't remember it super well, so it is technically an adaptation. So I felt like it was within the scope of talking about it. That's here. one of the books I read outside of the podcast this year. Nice. Actually. That's funny. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving an honorable mention because that actually might be my favorite thing I watched this year. I loved house of the dragon. I think Game of Thrones is back with this show. Sort of recaptured a lot of the magic. Yeah, right? and honestly, like, this show could be better, which is a wild thing to say. But, like, it was that good. Uh, it's got a lot of potential, and um, maybe it won't ever hit, like, the absolute highest of highs that Game of Thrones hit, but, like, it has the chance to. It's that good. Well, and if it can promise that it'll be more consistent because it has a beginning, middle, and end, and you know we know where we're going. And there was some can... there was some tricky stuff to get through in this first season uh, with a lot of time jumps and things like that. And I've heard that this next season's not going to have any of that. So um, I'm really excited for season two. I'm excited for what they can explore with Fire and Blood too, like stuff before this series as well. And 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 there's a lot there that that I think is ready. Like I said, because we have beginning, middle, and ends for a lot of these stories. I'm not scared of what what they might deliver on because it seems like it's in good hands right now. Yeah, and you know the double Ds are no longer connected to it, so that's the yeah. other great thing to hear about that. Yeah, big bonus. Uh, but uh, again, outside of the scope of the pod, so let's move on. Um, I have a runner up. Um, I guess if this is one of your two, go ahead and hit me with it. But my runner up is the tragedy of Macbeth, uh, directed by Joel Cohen, I believe. Uh, that was my that's my runner up. Um, best adaptation. I I love this thing, black and white, and super pretentious, and super stylized, very yeah. very stylized, and like film broy, and it's also a, it's Shakespeare, which like I don't know, I'm not a Shakespeare guy, so like let me put that out there, like I'm not someone who loves all these Shakespeare adaptations. I'm always seeing the new ones. No, not at all for me, honestly. So the fact that this one appealed to me and was as good as it was, and had such great performances and and iconic moments, um, I, I just was really taken with it and this was the first like first time i've ever watched a shakespeare adaptation and thought like i really get the appeal of modern shakespeare retellings and adaptations and like why people still do it 
um, and why it's worthwhile to do because it was really good. So this is my top of the year, okay. best watch okay. of the year. Yeah. <laughs> this is my best watch of the year. And like, you know, you said all the things, the pretentious things that I am, but <laughs> it captures, like you said, it captures some of the magic. And, and I am always very skeptical of seeing anyone try to give their version of, of something that's this classic. And Joel Cohen gave it like it, it, in, in an incredibly visual way, the use of like, like you said, it's black and white. So the use of contrast and the use of endless stages, basically, you know, a lot of it's filmed on a stage during COVID, which is a huge task to, to overcome. Um, and the performances are, I mean, it's Francis McDormand. Yeah. It's Denzel Washington. Um, Denzel Washington. Yeah. It's some of the greatest actors in the world and seeing the way that they capture it. And like you said, brought to life something that I read and felt like I understood really well. Yeah but seeing their interpretation of it. I will say the way we covered it, that's the fucking way now, man. If we're going to do more Shakespeare, like read the play, cover the play, then go see the thing because it's like in your mind, it's fresh. You know the moments that you're looking for, the iconic. You can really tell the artist's intentions, whether it's the director or the actor on screen and what they're trying to capture. And I just, Frances McDormand, killed this yeah, movie. Lady, like Lady Macbeth was, in this. Yeah, Lady yeah. Macbeth. She was so good in this movie and and like so was everyone else. Like I, I forget the name of the actor now, but but the the actor that played the the witches. The oh three yeah. Fates or whatever. That was so cool. So good yeah. and so cool the way that like visually and they use cinematography to sell that. And I just it, it blows me away. And the texture of the film, the way that it's like sort of always got some haze to it and like it feels like it's a stage production at the same time as being like this really high level film production it's just it blows me away it was such a cool movie yeah highly recommend our episode on it with michael deluca too it was really fun breaking it down with him yeah because um, i think he was skeptical going in because he feels like the kind of guy who's seen a lot of shakespeare adaptations and is like ready to not like him but like man he seemed like he really liked this one too i had a lot of good had a lot of fun with it it, it was cool so I want to give you my runner-up because that was my favorite. My runner-up, and I have a feeling it may be your it favorite. Be, yeah. we'll see. <laughs> so my runner-up is going to be After Yang. No. Okay, great. So we get a chance to talk about yeah, After Yang. Yeah, let's talk about After Yang. This movie almost was my most surprising, but I was going to give it as runner-up as the best watch because it was a really cool concept in the short story. The way that we read it, and I, I came out of nowhere. You, you told me about it. I had no idea that even the movie had come out. And uh, we go and it's got these great performances. It's this really interesting look at AI and what the future may hold for us and the way that we may attach to what we currently don't see as living beings and where we sort of draw that line. And it's it's kind of picking up where something like a Blade Runner leaves off, but Blade Runner is that action. Yeah, this hook, was an right? action. <laughs> and, this is, and this is AI with like the home. Yeah. It's welcoming AI into your family. And what kind of effect, like your children and like what kind of effect yeah. that can have. Well, and, and my comparison to Blade Runner is just like, what what does it mean to be alive? Yeah. And and like how that sort of goes into this in, in a much more human way. And, and yeah. like slow burn, though, like, you know, a lot of vignettes and like um, really interesting filmmaking. But the pacing is is very slow. And that I think is why what ultimately kept it out of my like top choice. Like I really liked this movie, but I struggled to recommend it to people because I really have to get a vibe for a person and like know how much patience they have. Because if you don't have a lot of patience when in your movie watching, you're not going to be able to get into this thing. Yeah. I, and it's just so visually interesting too. Like it, you get this futuristic look, but it's got this like really welcoming, warm look to a lot of it. And it, it just, again, that that was one that really stuck with me. And the Colin Farrell performance is incredible. The Yang, I forget the the uh, the actor's name right now, but um, his performance as Yang 
was really endearing and you you are like oh this is a member of my family and to lose them would be once they've once they've ingrained with my children and with my life in this way what's the difference at that point it's that sad beauty too um like station 11 has has a good bit of that but like i do love it when something is so beautiful it hurts and it's also just really sad but also uplifting like it, you have to like pair it with the right emotions otherwise really sad is just who are, becomes overwhelming um and this yeah. is not well that I, I think it's the human spirit yeah. too it turns into like what does it mean to be alive yeah. and and why now, are, there was also know. a lot of questions about what it means to be asian and like especially asian in america and there's a lot of like layered metaphors going on here that um absolutely really cool yeah. to touch on especially in the film to see that touched on um Cool, man. That's interesting. That's your best adaptation of the year. I mean, I can't. I'm not going to knock it. Like, I, I well, see that's wh- the runner-up. That's oh, my that's runner right. Up that was your runner-up yeah. because Station Eleven was your best. Tragedy of Macbeth was my best. All right, you know what? I'm all over the place. Uh, Station Eleven was an honorable mention. Tragedy of Macbeth number one. Okay, so let's for me honorable mention Station Eleven runner-up Tragedy of Macbeth best of the year 2001 A Space Odyssey. So I have in quotes <laughs> on my list best watch. Am I even allowed to not say 2001 A Space As Odyssey? As I was thinking about it, I was like, you probably feel the same way about this movie that like we talked about with Frankenstein and Macbeth in the like best totally. read area. How can I not have that as the top, like as influence? The wise? reason it was for me is this was my first time ever seeing this movie. I'd always heard about it, and I was like, I, I, it had been built up so much that I felt like it was going to be a letdown. There was no way. And I, I absolutely love this movie. Um, I The visuals stand up today. Like, There's so much drama the how interaction right is so good the the mind bending just wildness that happens at the end of the film the bold decisions that were made by Stanley Kubrick the unbelievable filmmaking you know it's the stuff of legend and i'm thinking about that uh, you know about that coverage and how much fun i had talking about it with you um, I think that that really helps me when, when it becomes like a best of, you know, choice. It always has to be like a really good episode, too. And I thought that was a really good one. Um, so, yeah, that one's the one for me, man. Like it was it was so good. I was so happy to like come away from it and be like, I actually did really love that movie. I know a lot of people say it's like a favorite movie, but like I thought I was going to be a letdown. It was not. I loved it. There's a reason why it is will f- probably forever be because of the time period that it came out. Yeah one of the greatest films of all time and it'll always make every list historically yeah. amazing like the, the the idea that the stuff he was putting on film before we had even been to the moon yet is incredible he obviously is a visionary but also the attention to detail the effort that's put into it the care that's put into it clearly a controversial figure yeah. in, in some people's eyes but you can't deny just the absolute meticulous level of detail that he puts into everything and the, and the way that he was pushing forward the medium in ways that current filmmakers are, are trying to do as well yeah. but all of the filmmakers that you know today that are working will point to 2001 a space odyssey as as a, a watershed moment in filmmaking yeah. period well and all the all the sci-fi films we love and i love like a lot of my favorite yeah. fil- like they owe so much to this movie it is like the totally. modern blueprint for fan- for all of sci-fi that came after yep uh, it's incredible um and yeah, I think an appropriate one, at least for me, to have be my best. I, I get that it's like kind of like a eye rolly pick because it is the one that everybody's going to be like, of course. But for me, again, first time ever watching it, so that's why I felt like I had to give it to it this year. I don't blame you, man. It's uh, it's one of those that if it comes to town and there's like a road show or a projection oh, or something, like I'm gonna go see cool. it in film. That yeah, that's the one of the times where I do wish we lived in the same city so that we could go do yeah, stuff like that. Because like the problem yeah. is I don't know a lot of people here who would be like down for that kind of shit. But uh, yeah, I'd love to do that too. That's cool. 
Um, all right, man. Uh, so what we have left to do here at the end of the episode is to look forward to 2023. And uh, one of the ways we like to do that is to talk about some upcoming adaptations that we're excited about. And then also just talk about some stuff that we like kind of know we're, we want to cover um, and that we think we might cover either in the coming year or at least soon. Um, Cause it doesn't always end up being true, but um, yeah. Where do you want to start? You just want to like start naming some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. I am going to reference 2021's Last Looks episode where we mentioned this mysterious stop motion animated Guillermo del Toro oh, film called yeah. Pinocchio. And it has since come yeah. out and we haven't covered it for yeah. the podcast yet. And I almost want to just say that we're going to cover it in the beginning of the year. We don't know for sure yet. I don't think it'll be our first project because um, I'm going to talk to yeah. you. I, I want to, I guess this is a good time to bring it up. And I, and I wanted to wait until the episode to talk to you about it. But I want to start the year with an absolute banger. And I want to start the year yeah. with something iconic. And I've come up with a list of projects. I have four options. And I think any one of these four would would be a great way to start the year off. Um, so do you want to get to that now? Do you want to talk about that now? Sure. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, it's. I think it's fitting. So what I might do, honestly, is put this up as a poll. Not sure where yet. Maybe Twitter? Maybe Facebook? Or both. Twitter's falling apart, so sure. <laughs> maybe yeah, maybe multiple locations, and I'll I'll add it together. Anyway, we're gonna do a poll. Here are the four options, unless James decides he doesn't like it. <laughs> but I think any of these would be big, right? Okay, The Wizard of Oz. This is one we've talked about a long time. Where you're like, oh, there's so much research yeah. that's gonna go into that. It's such a big, you know. I mean, I studied that in in you know in college, so there's there's so much with that film. Talk about influential, right? And like to start the year off with the Wizard of Oz, I think it'd be pretty cool. And it's also one that like we would have time to do the proper research. Um, now another one here, and this one's maybe the the most outside the norm here, but uh, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea. Um, that because I'm I'm trying to shop my undersea novel for one. But also because it is a Jules Verne project, which like we, he's not an author we have talked about who is an absolutely iconic figure in science fiction. Yeah, I read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea when I was a kid. There you go. So another cool one, I think is a 1954 adaptation I was looking at is the most well-known one. So that's probably the one. I don't know that I've ever seen an adaptation of yeah. it, though. So that there's that. Yeah, I think it's the most well-known one. It's like a it's a big one. Um, and then there's the film adaptation, Charlie Kaufman. We've been talking about covering this thing since the beginning of the podcast because it's such a, it's like so perfect and it's all about the nature of adaptations and all this stuff. And we've been like, what do we even do to cover this? I don't even know. But I'm like, that would be a cool way to start the year. Charlie Kaufman, something just in just <laughs> it feels wild. like one where we can't approach it in the general in the normal sense of the podcast. You almost like can't, but do, like maybe we have to play with maybe it. Maybe you find yeah. you find a way. That's adaptation, by the way. I feel like the word adaptation went flying by. Well, the film is literally called Adaptation. It's based on something else, right? The Orchid Thief or something like that? I think yeah. so, yeah. But it's in the movie because in the movie, he's trying to make an adaptation for the book. Right. So it's very meta in terms of like the most what we're doing <laughs> and speaking about here. Yeah. yeah, and it would be super fun to talk about. Um, and then the other one um, is Rashomon. Oh, which, oh boy. <laughs> right? One of your favorite directors yeah. of all time, which I would love to talk about yeah. with you. And then also like... There's this technique employed in this film that's famous for where it tells things from oh, multiple yeah. perspectives, like the same event. And I realized that's something that I like to do and that I've done in my novel. And I really want to talk about that. I want to like watch this movie. I've never seen it. And I want to I want to study it and I want to talk about it. So incredibly good. Yeah, I would love to do yeah. any of those. All of those, I think, are like on the list of things we want to do one day for sure. But of those four, The Wizard of Oz, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Adaptation, Rashomon, let us know. Which ones you're the most interested? Which one would you want to hear the most? I'll put a poll up. 
Um, and whatever wins out will be our first project of 2023. It won't count as our quarterly. We'll still do a quarterly for patrons. For the patrons. Yeah, and that, yep. that's more open. People can suggest whatever they want, whatever ends up getting voted. I don't want to like shoehorn in these choices, but um, this will be a separate thing. And I think it'd be a cool way to start the year. Any of those four is going to be like a, coming out the gate strong. Start with a bang. Yeah. I mean, 2021 or 2022 here, we did Station yeah. 11. So it seems we kind of, you know, unintentionally ended up with a banger. I like to start the year with something yeah. strong. But anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about before. Looking forward well, to <laughs> yeah. Let's go all the way back to Pinocchio. We talked about that in twenty twenty in twenty twenty one. Last looks. I have been dying to watch this movie. And and Guillermo del Toro. We talked about him some with Cabinet of Curiosity, but I want to dig into him more. And at some point, I th- I want to say this year we will cover that. And it's it's getting incredible buzz. Everyone's loving it. It's in people tons of people's lists of the greatest movies of the year. So I'm ex- I'm very excited. And it's a it's a story that I think we all know very well, but given the Guillermo del Toro style, I'd be excited. So I need to do more research into it, but I think that it's like, it's being adapted off of a novel that is itself like an adaptation of the original Pinocchio story. Maybe. I think so. The style or maybe certain aspects of the, yeah. of the plot. So I'm I need to sure. do some more research into that so I can figure out exactly yeah. how to cover it. Sure. What, what are you looking forward to? Uh, if you Man, want to so start? many, there's so many. So some of these, I don't know if they're going to come out this year, but they've been announced. I have a big one that I want to say at the end because it's like sort of down the line. Who knows when it'll come out? I might hit you with it. Okay. Um, but first one I want to start, t- start off with is we've been talking about wanting to cover Dracula. Um, and that's something that's been high on our list. And there's like the Bram Stoker, you know, obviously an icon of horror. The other thing I was reading recently, there's a film called Nosferatu that Eggers, Robert Eggers, has been wanting to make. and Remake. Remake. That original movie is a loose adaptation of Dracula. Yeah, German expressionism uh, icon Nosferatu. So how fucking cool would it be to do like a run of three episodes where you cover the original book, you cover the Francis Ford Coppola Dracula film, and then you cover a Robert Eggers Nosferatu film, and then maybe like as a bonus episode for Patreon, you do the original expressionist, like old German expressionist film or something. It'd be awesome. I think that's a way to get your hands dirty with some Dracula yeah. material for sure. Maybe we could do that like in October. I just don't know if it'll be out. That's the only thing. We got to wait and see when it'll come out. But I would also we'd never caught, yeah. we'd never talked about him, that filmmaker. So I would love to do that. Dude, in Eggers Nosferatu would be so batshit yeah, crazy. Right? It would be insane. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. And that's that's been confirmed with like Bill Skarsgård and stuff. He's like in that. Yeah. yeah. So I saw I saw that that's been announced. I just like I'm going to I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. Yeah. Apparently it's been announced for years. He's been talking about making it for a long time. So we'll see. We'll see if it actually happens. One that is definitely happening though. Uh well, here's two. White Noise, which is a book that is being adapted right now. It's coming out Friday on Netflix. It's an ad- adaptation of a book by Don DeLillo, and he is a like cult figure in writing that I've never read. This book I've never read, but the phrase airborne toxic event is from this book. So if you know the band, the airborne toxic event, right? Isn't that the name of the band? I It sounds familiar. Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, based off of this. So that phrase comes from this. It's a really cool, like well-regarded book. Just came out, um, has Adam Driver in it randomly. I don't even know if you've heard of this movie, um, but it's on Netflix now. And I think that's one we should try and cover in the coming year. Or, you know, if we can find time, I think it'd be really fun to do. Yeah, totally. I would love to do that. Okay. Another one, Knock at the Cabin Door. Now, this is an adaptation of a book called The Cabin at the End of the World, I think. 
And it is by Paul Tremblay, who's an author that I really, really like. Yeah. And I've been wanting. Is Dave Bautista Dave in Dave Bautista. It's a, Shyam- it's a Shyamalan movie, uh, uh, M. Night. It's getting buzz. It's coming out, I think, fe- February, something like that. So that might be one we can cover like as it's coming out. I do think it's funny that we've ended up in a scenario where like people underestimate M. Night Shyamalan. Like I, I understand that like he maybe has had some things that people didn't really connect with. This. I mean, like I'll be the first to admit that like that Avatar The Last Airbender movie was really, really unfortunate and upsetting. But he has had a, a few movies since that like kind of make me understand that like he's still there. He's still that same Shyamalan. Well, that, that he's also I think this is the first time he's adapting something. Curious to see if that affects the result right if we're maybe that'll like rein him in a little bit if he's and i know you've mentioned trembling to me quite a few yeah, times i've never read this book but i like him as an author yeah. for sure so i'm excited for that one um we also had an a- announcement of a neuromancer william gibson adaptation yeah. who knows when that's coming but again on the horizon um salem's lot was supposed to come out this last year but i think got delayed um so another stephen king adaptation that i think is supposed to be coming out next year high on the list now there's we're going to cover stephen king right like at some point we'll cover something from him could be salem's lot could be misery could be uh shawshank um could be green mile there's like there's a lot of i mean and there's so many uh there's so many others right that we we could do and we'll probably do more than one honestly we usually do but uh i think salem's lot is high on the list my next one is dune 2 um, I don't know if that's coming. Is that coming out this year? I forget. Um, well, it finished It finished principal photography. So I think it's supposed to come out in 2023, but I'm not 100% sure. But I also wouldn't be shocked if it got pushed to 2024. Yeah. So if it comes out this year, we're going to cover it. I think it's just going to be adapting the second half of the book. So we honestly don't even need yep. to re-rate it or anything. We, we just we've, right I think it. we'd find some way to to jump back into Dune, like kind of how we did with it, though, right? We did a co- something leading up to it, part two, chapter two. Uh, we covered the miniseries. Well, we've already done the Dune David Lynch film. So we'll figure something out to lead into. You know, we just jump into it. I'm excited. Um, yeah. And then uh, the other one, actually, that just, gave, that just reminded me that we're getting more good omens. And this new right. Good Omens, it's not it's not an adaptation at this point. It's it's all new story. Maybe some of this stuff was talked about in the past between uh, Neil and Terry, Terry Pratchett. Um, but I'm excited to see that one. And I think it's something we could justify covering on the show, too. Yeah. Well, not to mention more Sandman, right? Yeah, more Sandman. I, although, is that coming out next year? Probably not. No, just down, down the, line, the line. But I'm starting to set up some, some yeah. things. Because I feel like with Last Looks, we've looked forward to a lot of material for a long time. So let's, let's have some yeah. in the in the episode that we're looking forward to like down the yeah, line. Yeah, all right, now you go. I think you I don't want to step on your toes. Yeah. Speaking of down the line, um I talked about Sanderson earlier in the episode and there has been announced and there's rumblings that there'll be a Sanderson adaptation in coming. Oh, okay. This isn't the one I was thinking of, but oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be animated. I don't know if it's going to be live action. He is like kind of tight-lipped about this so far, but it's very clear that he's meeting with production companies and starting to develop. Are you talking about the one d- for Mistborn? Yes, and I think it'll be for Mistborn. Now, there's also been things said about potential video games, but if he creates a Mistborn series and, and is, you know, I think... Someone be an author being heavily involved is important. Someone having a, a like a hand in it and trying to make sure it stays true to the to the source is important. It doesn't mean it's going to be a home run or, or anything incredible, but I I would be really hopeful for for a, a Mistborn. Like if if we get it in the next few years, I would be really excited for a Mistborn series or film. That reminds me, the Name of the Wind has been announced for yeah. years now. I, I haven't heard anything more yet. I think they're worried with Name of the Wind that um, 
Rothfuss. Patrick Rothfuss is, hasn't turned in the third yeah. novel yet, so they're kind of waiting on that. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't heard that confirmed. I think that's just speculation. Well, Lin-Manuel Miranda was attached to, to the script, or he's attached to it in yeah. some way, and it's since backed off. He was going to work on the music for it, I think, but he, I think he passed it off. Okay. Some, I think he passed it off to somebody else. So somebody else is now officially doing it. So, okay. I, again, cool. I assume they're working on it, but I haven't, I haven't heard anything in a while. We're in that dead zone where, like, sometimes stuff goes silent, and then all of a sudden you get a trailer drop. And then also sometimes stuff goes silent and you never hear it again. <laughs> yeah. I, I would really love for that to show back up because like I said, I'm only, I've made it halfway through that first novel. They paid a lot of money for that. I remember when it was announced, it was a bidding war and they paid Rothfuss a ton of money. So you would think they're yeah. going to do something with it. I, I will say good for him. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and then the other one, I thought you were, this is where I thought you were going to go. Sure. The Dark Tower was announced oh, to yeah. be adapted oh, by Flanagan. God. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's obviously way down the line. It was just announced. But right. yeah, he just got the rights. He basically announced online that he got the rights, and that's all we know so far. Yeah. Very He's developing about that. scripts, I believe. Yeah, and I think a lot of people listening might be like expecting us to talk about that one because that was a big, uh, a big thing online when that was announced. Everybody yeah. was celebrating because I think a lot of people see him as, as Stephen King's yeah. been so important to this podcast, and then we like a lot of Flanagan stuff. Like I, I, I watched Black Mass. I've, I'm watched Midnight Club. Like, uh, you know. We watched uh, Doctor Sleep for the podcast, which was well, you know an actual haunting of Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. So we're I'm excited about Man- Mike Flanagan having his hands on it. I think people are pretty bummed about Midnight Club. Midnight Mass is that the name of the other one? Yeah, Midnight Mass was was solid. Was That's good. one I yeah. hear a lot of people really liked. Actually, like a lot of people were saying it was like his best thing he's done. Oh, I wouldn't put it over Hill House, but okay. but. Yeah, it's it's definitely very good. I enjoyed myself. Interesting. Um, but I can't imagine. I I've been waiting for Dark Tower, right? Like yeah. we wanted to. I wanted to read Dark Tower well, in general. He, and he says this is his dream. This is the thing he's been wanting to do for his like entire right. life. So if he can deliver on like the Denny Villeneuve dreaming to to create a Dune, like that that is my wish for the future. Like if this is if this is fantastic, like that would. He's a great follow on TikTok, by the way. Uh, he's he's a lot of fun. So uh, yeah, I'm rooting for him. Very transparent as a filmmaker and an artist. Yeah. Like I, I find that refreshing. I think it's really cool when people allow you in like that. Okay, man. So here we are at the end of the episode. It's time to set some resolutions, some goals yeah. for 2023. Uh, we talked about this last year. We did uh, some of them. I followed through. Some of them I maybe let slip. But I think it's good to do. I, I'm in this mood right now. I get excited. I get energized for the new year, and I start going like, "These are the things I'm going to do." And I start laying it out, and you know, it doesn't always come true. But I don't regret doing it because I think it, it sometimes it, it launches me in the right direction. So make sure I got my head on straight in the new year. Uh, you want to start? You got anything? Sure. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've talked in the past, like I, I don't love the idea of resolutions cause I'd rather just make goals and, and sort of get there on my own. The resolution thing starts to feel kind of, I'm very loose with that term. Cause like, I agree goals, you set a goal and then you start to reverse engineer. You start to like walk back and say, what do I need to do to hit certain goals? Okay. Well that starts to give me a, a blueprint for like where I should be traveling. This year, I'd like to create something like as a director of photography or a director, I'd like to create something that was wholly my own vision. Ooh. So that's something I want to do yeah. and, and like I'm striving to do. And and again, this is a, it's an industry that's not e- it's very expensive to get things created. Right. And like that's something that I, I will be I will forever be pursuing this. So like if I if I hit it this year or not, I, I it's a goal that I have. So there's that goal. And then also just like personally on like a we've talked in the past about like 
bettering ourselves. And I, I've been trying recently. We talked last year. I was just listening to our 2021. I wanted to work out more. I've been working out more and I've been running a lot. So I want to try to run a half marathon this year. That's a Ooh. goal of mine. Wow. All th- everything holds up and I don't get injured. I, I will run a half marathon this year. So that's something I'm looking forward to. And then for the podcast, I, uh, I will again say more video content. I'd like to see this podcast yeah, develop more we didn't, into video we didn't content. Really do that? <laughs> I will say we 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 introduced these shorts. We did. We do a few shorts that actually took off and did pretty Good, well. And yeah. I would I would love to do some more of those. Uh, editing them is tricky. Um, that's my main thing that's limiting me. Is it takes me so long because every step of it I have to learn because I I don't I can't remember it when I go to do it again and I have to relearn everything and like how to splice in like movie clips and like. All of that is so slow that it takes me like hours to create a fucking 45 second short. And I'm like, this is way too long. It shouldn't take this long. Editing is a is a monster. And like I, I started in post-production and I realized very quickly that like I, I'm good at it. I have a temperament for it, but I, I that's not my passion. So like I, I like I can do it, but it's it's also like I mean, I do it for the podcast all the time. And I've gotten to a system for the podcast that makes it manageable. But even so, like trying to put together videos i'm i have so much respect for people who put together like solid edits yep. on youtube or wherever tiktok video podcasting is like a big thing right yeah. now and like yeah. honestly if we were like truly if you, being... if you see a large scale podcast that has video they, they probably hire someone yeah. to edit you know it's it's a difficult task probably like, that's the thing yeah that's the thing that we uh we're not big enough to afford to pay an editor that, yeah. is, that is the thing we'd have to do it ourselves think of like the McElroy's for a long time yeah. I think Griffin was editing them is he still I don't think so I think they have an editor yeah. now and that's so much of your life yeah. so much of your time like I can't I can't I don't have the time unfortunately pursuing other other you know industry pursuits yeah uh but I th- that's not to say that some sort of video content is not something we could try and, and continue to experiment with and that's something that I'm, I'm in, definitely into um so for me uh I talk a lot about this so I won't rehash it in in my um request episode we have on on patreon but i want to the the number i'm setting myself is that unless i sign with an agent i want to have queried by the end of the year 50 agents and that's my number that's a lot it's a lot so so what's your process for that so my process is i'm going to send out a batch and my batch is going to be between five and ten to start out and then um you wait right and you see if you you get requests and stuff but then like over over time you start you can't wait forever so you start setting regular intervals where you start sending out another batch. Yeah. And um, you got just got to keep so track like of it. once a month yeah. or so? Or yeah, maybe. More? You got to keep track of it. You start knocking people off as you get no's. You start, um, you have to be comfortable with how many you have out at the same time. 50 might be more than I can get to, but that's my like, if I don't sign with somebody, if I can say that I at least tried 50 times, you know, then I'll feel like I, I gave it its all. And that's the thing. I want to give it its all this year. I want to give this book its best chance. Maybe I don't sign this year. Maybe I sign much before 50. I don't know. It's one of the exciting things. I don't know how it's going to go. Um, beyond that, I want to write new stuff um, because I have been limiting. Like, I have not been allowing myself to write outside of this book for months. I've been like buckled down this is the only thing i'm allowed to work on has it been this whole year basically not the whole year i did some stuff early on some other short fiction and stuff but like but even then it wasn't a lot it was just like a little bit here or there i want to actually like generate some new short fiction i want to start a new novel um there's nanowrimo i've never done like a fresh nanowrimo where you start a whole new book 
I was thinking next year, maybe I'll try that. I'm going to uh, Rainforest Riders Retreat in March again. This will be the first time I've ever gone. This is, I think, my third or fourth year going now. Maybe my fourth year going. This will be the first time I haven't been working on my underwater novel. <laughs> like I've always been working on that when I'm there. And so I'm excited to go to that and be working on something completely new. Um, lots of stuff like that. So writing-wise... I'm so excited for this year. I think it's it's going to be a fun year. I'm going to hopefully generate a lot of new stuff and uh, excited to see what happens with it. Talking about fitness stuff, and um, this is like com- somewhat related, but I got this new leg brace because um, I am disabled and I have a I have a bum leg essentially, a bad bad ankle. And this brace has been pretty huge. It's allowing me to walk a lot farther with a lot less pain, a lot faster. I haven't, yeah, I haven't heard it. I remember when you got it, I haven't heard an update since, so I'm happy to hear that it's working out for you. It's working great, but the problem is it's been shitty weather here. It's been rainy, it's yeah. been snowy, it's been icy. It's like, you don't want to go out in this. It's dark, like, it's already dark right now. It's like 4.30, like I'm looking out the window, it's already dark. Like, it's just not great. But like, as the year goes on, the weather gets really great here and like, I want to walk more. I want to be out and be in a, be about and like be healthier. Um, I'm not tying that to any sort of like weight loss or anything, but I, I want to just be healthier and use this brace and, and be more mobile. Um, so that's one of my goals, I guess, is, is to do that in the new year. Yeah, I love that. And podcast related, um, this is something we talked about last time and we still haven't hit it. So I'm going to reiterate, this is an ongoing goal, but uh, I would love to get a thousand subs on YouTube so that we can monetize. Um, it's just a, you know, it, it would be a really cool modest milestone. So if you're not subscribed yet to our YouTube channel, please do it. That would be awesome. We're, we're over 500. We're on our way, but we're not we're not there. Um, and then 100 ratings on Apple. We're very close to that. Um, we're, we're inching closer, but that's been like uh, triple digits. You know, it's something I've been I've just been waiting for, especially in the U.S. Like I would love to get there. Um, so if you haven't rated us on Apple yet, please consider doing so. And I guess that's a good way to transition to the end of the episode. This is going to be it for 2022. We're putting a wrap on it. Thank you all for coming with us along the way, whether you listen to just this episode or you've listened to every single one all year. Uh, we thank you for being here with us. Right. And uh, please help and continue to support our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash ink to film. We put out bonus episodes monthly and we also try to you know interact with some of our patrons on Discord through that. So that's always been a fun avenue. I, I think it's like more intimate it's we have a specific tab for just patrons yeah. so we have four quarterly projects we do every year um i did not write down what they were i could try and think of it off the top of my head but i probably get them wrong i know we did i think emma might have been one fight club most recent uh stand by me 2001 2001 space odyssey might have been a i think quarterly. So, yeah. yeah i think yeah. those were the four so we every every few months we put out a poll to our patrons only patrons can vote on it and um, you can also suggest, like you only patrons can suggest on this big thread. We have a thread that goes all year. You can comment on there and then you just like the posts that you agree with most. And then we take those and we, we, we come up with the polls and we get four projects every year. So support us on Patreon if you'd be interested in participating in that. We'd love to have you. Also, make sure to connect with us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those at Ink to Film. Twitter is currently still available in twenty at the end of twenty twenty two. Here, we'll see how that goes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna survive. I just don't know how much we're gonna want to be active on it. But uh, we're also on TikTok. We're on basically every social media platform. And if you, if you have one that you prefer, let us know, and we can jump on there as well. I'm on Mastodon now. You know, yeah, I'm sure. still getting my bearings on there it's kind of an odd one but i'm still figuring it out we do have that discord too which i love discord so yeah let us know if you want to get on our discord channel and i will send you an invite all right and that's going to be it for 2022 it's been a great year cheers 
uh, raise a glass to you, whether you're drinking alcohol or, or just your beverage of choice. Uh, on to 2023. Until next year, keep adapting. Keep adapting.